Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Lee Cantor here with Stone Payton, another episode of ATDC Radio. And Stone, this will be a fun one. Hey, this is going to be a fantastic segment. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast. First up in this episode, founder and CEO with Thrust Interactive, Mr. Jesse Lindsley. Good morning, sir. Good morning to you guys. Well, Jesse, tell us about Thrust. How are you serving folks? Uh, so Thrust is a Atlanta-based game development studio, started in 2008, so we've been around a while, uh, focused in uh, the entertainment space, making uh, games for all the big brands in town, the cartoon networks, and the headline news of the world. Um, the headline news game, that's a, that's a good game? The headline news game? Yeah, so we, <laughs> well, so we pitched a game to headline news that eventually became a television show. There you go. Um, so uh, that was pretty cool. Um, and uh, and we are part of ATDC joined in 2015 um, as we were um, working on and, and we are continuing to work on um, uh, the pediatric engagement and experience space. So we are rethinking how doctors engage with their pediatric uh, doctors, engage with their patients, uh, both on the disease literacy and disease management fronts. So uh, that's uh, and then you created games around that to help that's uh, right. patient compliance or to change behaviors, maybe. That's right. So we started uh, in a wonderful partnership with Children's Healthcare of Atlanta and a program they have called Health Reach, and uh, this uh, teaches kids, or reaches kids when they're in the waiting room, and helps them understand their disease and teaches science and and math concepts, and so. They do that with physical games and, and physical presence, and uh, we partnered with them to create a digital digital mini games, um, and uh, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, we did that through was funded by the National Institute of Health as a phase one uh, initiative, and we had a wonderful research partner at Georgia Tech uh, that does all the efficacy uh, testing. Uh, and what we found was there was an alarmingly low level of disease literacy. So we had an assumption that these kids would understand their disease, and that would be great momentum to teach them all kinds of things. And uh, we said, well, we need to take a step back, and we need to focus on disease literacy. So now we are uh, we have a Phase 2 uh, NIH uh, grant to uh, bring a, a disease literacy platform to market. So now when you started, it was games for finding. Fun and games, right? That's right. A lot of and marketing, then, a lot of advertisement, uh, a lot of, now lot of fluff. But now this is like an evolution to that, right? That's to right. use this kind of game science to try to really change behaviors and really make an impact. That's right. Does, uh, does, are things different in your approach now when you're looking at a game? Are you trying to, you know, now it's serious. It is, uh, and uh, but we're entrenched in the entertainment space, and so uh, kind of the way we look at uh, impact and even edu our educational games is it's fun first. Uh, we bury the spinach, as we like to say, um, and yeah, it was definitely an evolution. Uh, when we started, you know, we've been together, our team has been together for almost 15 years, uh, and we were single guys and gals, and, and now we are uh, all parents. Uh, and so our, uh, that kind of changed our focus. And, that's and you uh, understand the stakes, though. We understand the stakes. We understand the challenges. Uh, I had a, when my daughter was seven days old, I found myself at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. And, and uh, so I understood the stakes, uh, and that's when I found myself in that ecosystem and wanting to uh, be a part of it. So now, um, but the approach is the same. 
the hide the spinach approach, fun first. It is. At the same time, when you get involved in this kind of uh, in, in grants, uh, in, in research-based grants, um, that's when you start to add the science behind it and you start to um, – you know, you're doing before and after studies. Uh, you're, so we brought on uh, research scientists, uh, behavioral scientists. Um, so science is definitely the, in our game, you know, we used to be experts in game theory and game mechanics and gamification, and now we've kind of termed this game science. Uh, it's still agile game development. Uh, you create something and you make sure it's fun, and then you go from there. Uh, now we've added a before and after testing and, and doing IRB testing and things like that. So it's it's definitely been a, a huge step and, uh, and definitely an evolution. So, so now when you're working in pediatric health, um, are you going after a specific ailment or are you just in general people that are in the hospital? Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, you start, at, uh, you start with a specific population and, and ours was chronic illnesses. Uh, and the, we were working with a champion um, pediatrician, uh, a head of oncology and hematology over at Children's. And so the first three diseases we started with were sickle cell disease, uh, asthma, and diabetes. Uh, and we have since um, started working with uh, cancer patients, uh, and uh, we're, we're growing that from there. Okay, let, let's start with diabetes. So how do you approach that as a... What, what's the what's the diabetes game look like? Yeah, so we are building a platform called Hemonauts, and so you are a medical nanobot inside of the body, and you are um, you are trying to save the world, and and uh, you get to blow stuff up, and you get to explore, and so we're starting in the circulatory system, uh, and um, and so yes, you're playing. You don't even know you're learning about diabetes. Um, but you are, uh, you know, you are solving puzzles. You are uh, going on missions, uh, and uh, so that's how we tackle it. Uh, and it was our um, it was our entree into disease literacy, uh, where we found that the, a lack of disease literacy also led to a lack of adherence. And so uh, our next our next app is a gamified challenge app for kids, uh, helping them remember to stay on treatment, take their medicine, eat right, uh, basically creating healthy habits. And so. Um, so anyways, that's what we're working with, and, that, and that's the population that uh, it's very, very important that we understand kind of what the doctors, the treatment programs they want them to follow, and, and uh, what we bring back to the doctors are, this is what's working, this is what's not working, uh, this is when kids are not following their treatment, this is why they're not following their treatment, uh, which has been invaluable data to get back to uh, their primary care physician. So when they're playing, when the diabetic kid is playing the game, uh, is, are some of the elements in the game, hey... If you eat this sugar or something, bad thing happens to the character in the game so that it, they start figuring out, connecting dots that, hey, maybe I shouldn't do this in real life. That's, that's right. It's absolutely – connecting dots is a great way to look at it. So there are things that are checkpoints that uh, if you're not getting the concepts, uh, you, you're not progressing in the game, and that those are absolutely the challenges that you will face. Uh, and what's interesting is when kids are uh, doing this interactive, playing this game, and, and trying, and we're trying to teach these concepts in interactive play. Uh, if they get off track, uh, we have ways to, to remediate and get them back on track, and, and that is using different forms of uh, transmedia. So there's a, a digital comic kind of, if you will, in the game that the kids are reading and following along, and and so they may get the concept that way. And we also have animated video where they're listening to audio. Uh, and so we're doing some really neat things in the efficacy of transmedia education and as well as the remediation. 
So now you're seeing actual results, though. If they're playing the game and they're they're getting kind of these touches in multiple medium, that their behavior is changing and they are more adherent to their, um, you know, whatever the doctor wants them to do. Yeah, that's right. So uh, this first uh, kind of this this platform, this go to market uh, game called Hemonauts, will launch in September. Uh, and then that's when the real kind of, you know, we'll open it up to schools and hospitals. Uh, so we'll have a lot more students uh, and kids playing the game. And, and uh, that, that'll be our second year of research. So the verdict is still out for sure. Uh, but that's the uh, that's the goal. Because this is a this is a tricky conversation in some ways, because for a while the game industry is saying that this is just fun and games and there's no ramification of what's happening on the screen in their actual behavior. Because in your case, you're working on games that are helping these kids be adherent to um, their medical needs. There's other games that are violent and people do terrible things. And those game companies say, oh, it's just pretend and then it doesn't affect behavior at all. That's right. So it's a it's a slippery. You're trying to <laughs> thread a needle here, right? That's absolutely right. And uh, so it is it is kind of this uh, what is entertaining. And so even serious games uh, have a terrible reputation as a, a game that's not fun. Uh, and so we're we're straddling that uh, you know that challenge or trying to overcome that challenge as well. So uh, this is about engaging kids. And so I'll put a, an iPad in front of. Uh, a middle schooler and uh, with no instructions about the game and just give it to them and watch what's going on and and 10 minutes in I have to take the you know the iPad away and say you know let's give it to the next kid in line but what was going on and the the, the information that comes out uh, from these kids that have just been playing and trying to beat the boss and and explore new levels and solve puzzles uh, is just been fantastic and so that's without without any kind of prompting without any kind of messaging this is just you know just the the core base of the game that we're in development of so um so yeah we, we will see uh if this will eventually lead to you know curriculum type um advances and and we can have this in school where kids are tested before and after and, and again it, it impacts the uh, their grades and things like that but at least right now it's fun engaging it's health and disease literacy uh it's kind of a soft subject uh that has obviously very important consequences <coughs> if uh if they don't get it. But at the same time, we also want to open this up to kids who aren't chronically ill and, and who may have friends who are or just want to play a fun game or passionate about uh, learning about the body. And so that's uh, we're casting a wide net at that level. And then in the games, w- when you target a certain ailment, it has to work for kids of all ages like because it, it has to be engaging for little kids as well as, you know, middle school and things like that so that's tricky too right that is tricky and so we keep uh we keep it at a range so we're we're dealing with kids in upper elementary and middle school so that's our target and we'll have different solutions for different uh, age, age groups outside of that but even an 8 to 12 or 10 to 14 is as we look at these kind of groupings uh the difference between a 10 year old and a 14 year old is quite different so we've uh we've got lots of uh work just in that kind of small grouping of 8 to 14. Now, what's the driver? Like, does the, the, the medical community come to you first and say, hey, let's work in this? Or are you coming to them first and saying, I have this game idea, and then that matches this type of, like, what's the chicken and the egg? Yeah, here? absolutely. It happens both ways. Uh, and so we very much have an innovation through collaboration uh, philosophy. And so we don't do any of these without great partners. And so this may be we see something that we're passionate about, and we go out and find the partners that put us in, you know, rightfully put us in that place. 
this instance, uh, the uh, disease literacy game, uh, uh, Georgia Tech and Emory were collaborating uh, on health reach, uh, and uh, they came to us and said, we want to reach the masses. The masses, we need to do this via d- digital, um, and uh, we heard you guys are you know, the company we should be working with. So, uh, yeah, we were very happy that they, they sought us out. And then are you playing with kind of this new type of technology in terms of virtual reality, augmented reality, and those kind of things? Does it touch in that area, or is it just like your game on your phone? Yeah, so it starts with uh, a game on your phone and on your iPad, and then uh, and we are going to branch out. So right now we're, we're talking to partners with physical devices. So we've got a, uh, an asthma solution. F- so you'll be playing the game just like think Peloton for kids. Uh, and uh, this will be in uh, in patient rooms. You'll be pedaling a bike, and that's helping you navigate. You're turning through the body and, and uh, pedaling through the body. Um, so, yeah, there's different partners, uh, and, uh, and we're looking to expand uh, not only from games but into digital comics as well as animated videos uh, and using different hardware partners. Now, is uh, thrusts Thrust now only in this area, or are you still doing fun games just for the general pop? Yeah, still doing fun games. Uh, we launched a really cool uh, fantasy sports for music game last year called Fan Label, and so people can go out and play that. Uh, and then just last week, we launched a beta, funny enough, in the fantasy sports arena, but it's fantasy sports for horse shows So uh, called Fan Stable. Uh, and that uh, we were at an Arabian horse show last weekend uh, in, a, I'd call it a minimum viable product and uh and we're out there it's in the market uh and so yeah still in the entertainment space uh still doing some really neat things in education uh pediatric health tech uh digital health has been something we've been playing in for the last five years so it's new to us we're still very much on the outside looking in but uh have some wonderful traction and and we're part of atdc's health tech vertical here so which has been amazing uh so we've got a couple pilot programs a couple hospital systems here in georgia that we're working with so. Was there a time or um, an event that happened where you knew, hey, I think we got something here that we're on the right track that this can really work and make an impact? Yeah, so uh, we are big proponents of customer discovery. Uh, our team got to go through Flashpoint here on Tech's campus about uh, five years ago now. And so we, you know, we felt like during our phase one research that we found an opportunity to teach disease literacy. Um, but we continued with our customer discovery interviews uh, and uh, we had an aha moment. We were working with uh, um, the kid cancer uh, cancer patient uh, population, uh, working with parents, working with doctors, working with nurses, and uh, working with the entire support ecosystem. And what we found was um, one of the big problems is, is adherence, and one of the big causes of a lack of adherence is a lack of literacy. Um, but parents are, and even doctors and nurses, are trying to transition the disease management from the parent to the child right about the age of 10. Uh, and as a as game as a game developer, uh, a game developer for kids, uh, we're we're very much kind of tapped into when do kids pick up their first cell phone, you know? And so that has been getting, that age has been getting uh, younger and younger, and and uh, it, it's it's ten point three now, and that's right at the age that uh, doctors try to transition <laughs> disease management to the kid. And so it was an aha moment for us that uh, everybody was asking for kind of a. Um, a solution that kids could take ownership of, and um, and so that's why we started focusing on that ten and up uh, age demographic, and um, and that's so. Anyways, we, that's part of our secret sauce, uh, empowering kids who, for many years, you know, the first ten years of their life, they look to their parents 
uh, and their support network for um, for that support and, and then they start looking elsewhere at their friends and, and their peer networks and things like that and so we're tapping into that something we do in games and, and now we're using that uh, for this kind of disease management now is there any advice you can give somebody that to take some of this kind of um, techniques to create habits and change behavior that kind of go beyond a game like is there anything business people can do if they want to make their product service more habit forming or gamified that isn't game related do you have any learnings around that oh yeah, well, for sure so we uh we subscribe to a um kind of a philosophy it's uh, mm-hmm. uh behavioral scientist his name is near Ayal. it's called hooked uh and so we f- we find ourselves creating these kinds of you know what are the things that make people tick and uh, and bring can bring them back and um, you know we look at different reward structures intrinsic and extrinsic uh, we look at uh, you know what's sustainable uh, and um, we're very much t- tapped into mem- uh, momentum and, and creating motivation um, so these are all things that um, you know if you think about it uh, there's different types of people there's different things that make people tick and uh, so many times we see our partners or people trying to do things in the gamification space or making something more engaging they're just focused on one kind of type one player archetype one type of user uh, and so we encourage folks to kind of look at uh, personas and, and player archetypes and, and things and, and uh, create something that uh, um, people can gravitate towards that are not all, uh, you know, that, all, that, are all not, that are not all motivated by the same uh, triggers. So how many personas do you think that a person, a business person should kind of pay attention to when they're developing something so they don't fall into that trap of just focusing on one? Yeah, so it's a good. Because it could be go the other way. I'm going to focus on a hundred, then I'm, you know, in the same. I got a different problem, but right. similar problem. Right, right, right. So we focus on four. Uh, you know, if you think of a uh, a quadrant, uh, you know, we we divide it into four quadrants, and obviously anyone, somebody can fall somewhere, you know, in that quadrant. But uh, yeah, we focus on four large player archetypes, and um, and so those. Mm-hmm. An example would be. A killer is a type of archetype, archetype, and it's somebody who wants to win at all costs. They want to be the top of your leaderboard, uh, and so usually people get that in the gamification. Uh, but there are other others that play games for the social experience, or they want to explore, or they want to, uh, in a single player experience, they just want to, uh, you know, acquire, you know, medals and, and badges and things like that. And so, uh, yeah, so we we encourage folks to look at four different types of. Uh, are you players. drawing an X, Y axis? That's right. And then, so what are the axes? Uh, so it's uh, it's not, there's somebody that uh, had put something together. I think it's called the Bartles, um, uh, the Bartles graph or whatever. So, um, yeah, I don't, I can't think of the. Uh, but there's an, a- there's an X and a Y yeah. axis and it's, a, I guess, a low and a high on each one. And that forms the four quadrants. That's right. Somebody can be, you know, just a killer, and they're they're going to be at the top left, if you will, and and the uh, socializer is at the bottom right. Uh, but some you'll you'll some usually fall somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very similar to the Myers Briggs or some of those types of uh, uh, four 
quadrants. So uh, when you create gamification for each of those four quadrants, then you're going to hit more people and more people will be engaged in whatever that activity is that you're trying to. That's right. Uh, but at the same time, there's some organizations. Uh, we, we did a game for a car salesman and they're all killers. So I don't need, I don't need to make, I don't need <laughs> to make need it. Four. Right. Just they need just one. need one. You know who your audience is. So it's very important to know who your audience is. And that's where it gets back to that customer discovery, right? You that's gotta, right. You spend a lot of time there. You spend less time later on, right? That's exactly right. So if somebody wanted to learn more, if you're a children's hospital out there, a health system that wants to kind of uh, play in this playground, where what's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, thrustinteractive.com uh, and uh, and then our game, Hemonauts. So Hemonauts.com are the two, uh, uh, two places to go and learn more about what we're doing. Well, Jesse, great to see you, and congratulations on all your success. Thanks for having me. <coughs> I, I find this whole topic just so fascinating. It, it seems like the applications are endless. Education, healthcare, commerce. I, but what a wonderful way to make a living. You must really enjoy what you do. I, I couldn't have said it better, and I've been doing it for 15 years, and uh, I really am. Uh, you know, it's funny. We I constantly interview our team, and we'll have new folks come in. And, and uh, I had somebody... Uh, a new head of sales come in uh, last week and he was interviewing our, our team members and he said so many of them say how lucky they feel that they're here and that uh, as, a, as a founder and CEO of a company that makes you feel really proud and so uh, that's the way I feel and I'm glad that uh, the people that work at Thrust feel the same way. Well, keep up the good work and keep us posted. We want to continue to follow your story, man. It's inspiring, it's intriguing and uh, it's just, it's a lot of fun to hear about the, the progress that, that folks like Jesse are making in Italy. Yeah. Well, thanks. I am so sorry that you have to follow that act. <laughs> you know, but it is, it is what it is. <laughs> Next up on this episode of ATDC Radio, please join me in welcoming to the broadcast founder with Uzo LLC, Mr. Andy Ocala. How are you, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's, it's good to be in Atlanta. Well, we're delighted to have you on the show. Uh, tell us a little bit about your impressions of that last conversation, though. Uh, did it hit you the same way? I mean, do you find that whole topic of gamification and uh, what these guys were talking about as fascinating as I do? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the biggest question that, you know, came up to me was, do you have games for big kids like <laughs> like myself? They do. Well, tell us about Uzo before we get uh, too far into things. Okay. So uh, Uzo University Staffing, uh, basically it's a tech-enabled staffing platform. We connect students on campuses right now at UGA uh, to different departments that have holes in their schedules, so to pick up shifts. At that, so UGA students getting work at UGA. Yep. So low commitment jobs. Um, I just think the university market needs a more flexible option. So how are they doing it now? Before you guys came around. Uh, so before we came around, I mean, students would get jobs on campuses like me, for example. I I worked at the dining hall. And so you have a, a set schedule. you got to be here at a certain time. How did uh, you find out about the dining hall job? Um, I mean, that's the most advertised job on campus. Um, so so that just the usual, there were flyers there, or your friend of yours said, hey, there's an I opening. Was, I was looking for mm -hmm. a job. And so, you know, I went online, UGA student jobs. Right. Um, and that's the first one that comes up. And then, uh, so now how is your solution different than that? So, yes, um, we kind of fit in the middle, right? We add a, a different level for students to be able to pick jobs on their own time. So it's low commitment. You're not committed to a set schedule, right? Because every week isn't the same as a student. Sometimes you have tests. Sometimes you have social activities. 
Uh, so it just uh, allows the student to have a little bit more flexibility with. Uh, so you don't have it. You're saying in your system there's no job per se. You're just available to work at a variety of jobs. You're, yes, you can work several different jobs. You're just picking up open shifts. And then the university is okay of having you come into an area that you hadn't done before or you're not trained uh, because you're available for that time? So right now most of the jobs are a bit low-skilled. So there, there's not a lot of training. We do have documents, training documents on available to students to be, become familiar with the facility. Um, but yeah, the university and, and the departments that use us are, are comfortable with having students come in. So then it would work. I would go in this week. I got a bunch of tests, but I have holes in my schedule in these three areas. I can go see if there's any slots available for me, and then I can just book myself. Exactly. So it, it's literally just like that, especially this week with – uh, final projects and final tests coming up. Um, student schedules and their availability is always changing, so uh, their work schedule needs to be able to change with it. This is great marketing. Do you, after you get done with this, you get this thing out there and you're really rocking it, you need a low-commitment dating app. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great marketing phrase, low-commitment, very attractive. So now, um, how, so you came up with this because you were having trouble finding work for yourself? So not necessarily. Um, it's not hard to find work per se. It's just hard to stick with a job. And so that's the department manager's problem. Student attrition is very high. Um, and what happens is, for example, I worked at the dining services uh, at UGA for, I think, four or five months before I quit. Um, and that was just because... There were several people who, who would quit. I don't know. That was just common. and um, So a lot more work would be placed on people who were left. So staff morale would decrease. Um, and so it was just an endless churning cycle. So now with this, people are more flexible so they can jump job to job based on their availability. And then that way <coughs> from the department or whoever needs the worker, there's always somebody there to fill the slot. Exactly. Have so you found that to be so that that does kind of – even though there might be a lot of turnover, there's enough people kind of churning through the system that the work is still getting done and they still have coverage. Um, so with give with enough students on the platform, then yes. So I guess that's that's our biggest um, goal right now is to get more students. More students. So how are you going about doing that? By coming on here. And this is it. So we're, <laughs> well, we're going to open the floodgates now. <laughs> this is one of the ways. I mean, uh, we're using a lot of physical channels. Um, tabling on campus at different events, going to talk to the big influencers, the fraternities and sororities, Greek life. Um, and yeah, just and so the know. benefits for the student is that they can just, it's like Uber. You only need the ride when you need the ride, I'm right? I'm glad you said it and I didn't have to. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, that's the, the model we're, we're following. Same way Uber's connecting riders to drivers. We're connecting It's students. on demand. Exactly. It's, it's, it's hours on demand. You yeah. want to work? There's a slot. Just go check the app, and then you can say, okay, I can just walk across the street to this department. I can put in two hours here. Exactly. Is it that? So it's that simple, your app? Is that? It is. I mean, and we tried to keep it as simple as possible. Mm -hmm. um, uh, students get text notifications whenever a new job is posted or new shifts are posted. Um, then they go in sometimes a week out, sometimes a couple of days before, and they can, they can hit interested. And if they meet the qualifications – because there are a few qualifications sometimes, um, then they they get chosen for the job. And then what about the pay rate? Because not every every department has slightly different pay rates. I mean, most things are minimum wage, I would imagine, but there is a plus or minus in there. There is. So um, we we negotiate the pay rate ahead of time. 
we do aim to have everything at at least $10 an hour to mm-hmm. at least make it attractive to students. Um, so that puts us on the higher end of but does it, does it um, does it change based on how urgent the need is? So, like, if I wait till the last minute, are they, is that rate going up a little more to make it more attractive? Just like Uber does, you know, where they the rate raises, and if they want me to be in a certain place at a certain time, that that would be the idea. I mean, that's how we started off wanting it to be, but we've noticed that uh, these HR directors, managers, the people who are creating these schedules, they created it at least a week ahead of time, so they know where their holes are. So it doesn't become as urgent, but I do see that coming as well. Well, especially as we, we break into more food and beverage departments where you can't really predict demand. Right. But if there's a big event and the, you know, the dean of this college is there and I'm four people short and it's 30 minutes before and I need to have people here. Yes. And the pay rate will go up. Like I know a guy that's really good at gamification. <laughs> <laughs> There might Jesse be a place call. for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but so so what's the revenue model? How do, how do you make money on this? Right, so uh, we have a – so interestingly enough, uh, public universities are – their purchasing decisions are governed by the state. Um, so there's like a statewide mandatory contract. Oh, so that makes it easy to deal with, right? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it did take us a while to, you know, put ourselves in pos- position. But what uh, really helped, and Jesse kind of talked about it, was – Knowing your customer with that customer discovery, we had a customer who wanted to bring this to market with us, right, and have us use them as guinea pigs. And so uh, we stuck through it. And so the rev- the the pricing model, we have a not-to-exceed markup rate. So it's a markup on the pay rate. Um, and from that markup, we pay for insurance, general liability, employment taxes, all that. And then so the you're paying the student? Yes, we are. Okay, so then the student's going through you. Yes. And then you're working the deal with whatever department is using you. Yep. And then so right now it's in operation? It is. So that's pretty exciting, right? It is. It, uh, what um, was it like that first time somebody hit that app and said sign up for some uh, um, high fives in the office? <laughs> it was stressful, actually. We, we, we wanted to make sure that nothing <laughs> broke. We were like, I don't know, the platform hasn't seen this much action in, in ever. So it was um, it was exciting but but stressful. And then how'd you know that you had something that was going to really be able to work and, and be able to scale? Um, from the customers. So uh, when I say customers, I mean uh, definitely the department managers, again, the ones that wanted to stick with us and make sure we brought this to market. Uh, the the unit managers saying that they need students. And, and I just think it's a underserved niche in staffing. Um, because before, I mean, there, there are staffing companies out there, but none that really focus on the university market, um, none that, like, just hire students. We just hire students and connect them to the departments on campus. Right, and then you have a platform that lets them go in and out so yep. that they all, they don't, each department doesn't have to kind of figure this out on their own. You're working for all of them. Exactly. Well, what do you need more of right now? More, you need more beta testers, more universities and departments to, to plug this in? Um, we need more of a lot, <laughs> but mm-hmm. m- we need more students. Um, more students yeah, at, on the campus using the app exactly, and then actually doing the work. Yeah, we have what I think is a good problem right now. We have more jobs than students. Um, so, you know, j- we need more students. We need more money. We need more. <laughs> <laughs> we 
It's more everything. I think that's... Now, do you have a feel for how many students it's going to take to fill the job? Like, I need 10 students on the app to fill each job, or 23, or 100, or... So there's a lot of moving parts. Um, but for, for example, for an account the size of the housekeeping department at the UGA Hotel, they're doing about 50 to 60 hours a week, um, and they need about 30... 30 to 35 students to be able to man that. And out of the 35 students, 12 may be active. And then how many people on the app do you need to get those 35? Um, on the app, about 70. So you double. need like at least double. Yes. So that's your whole thing is get more students familiar with the app and to, to actually sign up so that you can be pinging them with opportunities. Exactly. And we've seen the most powerful um, channel is word of mouth. Mm -hmm. um, so now this is my word, my mouth. There you <laughs> go. And then you want to get it out to those influencers also. So you do you do deals for like, hey, fraternity, the one the fraternity with the most sign-ups um, gets a pizza party or something. That's a really good idea. <laughs> um, yeah, we've I mean we've brainstormed some of those. So uh, right now I'm just talking to all their chapter meetings, getting that initial word word out, and then as their sign-ups. Um, increase and we'll kind of introduce some sort of gamification <laughs> there you go all right well uh, best of luck uh, if somebody wants to learn more and get on the app where can they find you uh com. so g-e-t-u-z-o well thank you so much andy for being part of the show thank you guys all right this is lee Cantor for stone Payton. we will see you all next time on atdc radio